Jesus. I'm asking you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon us. I'm asking you'd open the eyes of our understanding. You'd break in with light, God. We would see and we would know. Lord, I pray that we would contact heaven. And you would contact us. And God, our souls would be whelmed with light. So Lord, would you come and speak? Would you uh, lift our gaze that we might be minded on the heavenly? We might be minded on the eternal. We might consider that which is above. You would silence the traffic in our minds, in our hearts. You would release the peace, not as the world gives. Supernatural peace and divine attentiveness by the Spirit of God. Release it. We thank you for it tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Good, and everybody said amen. Okay, we're going to continue along the same vein we were on last week. We were talking about angelic interventions. How many could use an angelic intervention? <laughs> I mean, come on, somebody. I could use an angelic intervention. And uh, last week, I kind of just told uh, some different stories of personal experiences and just experiences friends have, friends, friends of mine have had about angels. Uh, tonight, I want to talk some more about angel stories and, and tell some stuff. But I want to use uh, some biblical uh, stories that I think we don't have our mind around. And, uh, you know, I said last week, you know, it's been said that if you talk about angels, they come around. I don't know if that's a verse or not, but I like the idea. So I want to keep talking about them. And uh, I believe there's an influx of angelic activity coming to our city. I believe it's coming to us here in the house. But I believe it's coming to our city. And we may not see it or perceive it. I have a hunch some will. But nonetheless, I, I want it. I want kingdom stuff. And uh, he's the captain of the hosts. And so those hosts are... Uh, ministering spirits to minister to the heirs of salvation and if you've said yes to Jesus you qualify and so we need to get in on this we need to get in on this idea that God releases supernatural help and ministry by the hand of angelic ministers that's huge we need to get our mind around this and so uh, Colossians 3 let's just look at this verse these few verses here they, these early in my Christianity became some of my favorite they became some of my favorite and um and actually, I'll tell you why. I had a fear of dying. I just was afraid I was going to die. And I was afraid I was going to get in a car wreck or something was going to happen to me. And I was afraid of dying. Even though I was saved, I just didn't want to die. And so I found the verse that said I was already dead. <laughs> and I meditated on it. And that fear of dying left, just like that. <laughs> I'm already dead, so it's okay. I don't know if that works for your logic. It works for mine. That's how I did it. So I, I want to draw a different point out of these verses now, but that's why I, I memorized these to begin with. But there it says in verse 1, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you, did, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So just read through part of that again. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind 
on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. And I would take this passage and I would combine it for you with Romans chapter 8. It says, the mindset on the flesh is death, and the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. And here's what I believe. There is a tributary of life, of God life, a tributary that God wants to release to us. He wants to pour the life of heaven. It's the life of God. It's the the Greek word zoe, the life of God. He wants to pour that into us. But when we lock down in our minds and we don't set our minds on that which is eternal, but we set our minds on that which is temporal, and we're more governed by that which is temporal than we are by that which is eternal, it cuts off the flow of God life to us. And so what ends up happening is we end up without life and without peace. For the mindset on the spirit is life and it is peace. And what it is, is you can be fully born again. Your spirit can be alive in God, but your soul can be without life and without peace. Hmm. And I, and I don't want to live that way. I want to live alive. I want, I want my soul to be soaring. I want my emotions to be moving. I want my mind to be invigorated. I want life to be lighting up my, my mind and my thoughts. I, I, I want to sense something from heaven, and I want to sense it in my emotional and soul realm. I don't want my soul to merely be carnal. Everybody thinks, oh, the soul is just fleshly and, 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 and evil. But you know what? If you fill your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, if you fill it with the God life, guess what? Your soul will begin to think and feel and and, and respond and react to that which is heavenly and that which is eternal. I want to live in this life with God's life moving through my soul, coursing through my being, enlightening my mind. I want to have the mind of Christ, not the mind that's set on that which is temporal. So we set our mind on that which is temporal and we set our mind on that which is carnal. It actually produces death in us. And I used to think this, I used to think if I uh, if I'm set on the carnal, then, uh, then death is produced in me. I used to think that meant that I couldn't produce anything. But I think, that's, I think that's the wrong way to think. I think I can produce all sorts of stuff. They're just full of death. I can build all sorts of things. They just don't have life in them. And see, he's building us together as living stones. It's not that the Lord doesn't want building blocks and he doesn't want strategy and he doesn't you know, have a plan and he doesn't want to use stones, but he wants the life of God to be invigorating us. He wants to move us uh, by his spirit and cause our hearts to be alive, not, not darkened in our understanding and absent from the life of God, but alive. And I realize this, that if I don't have the life of God coursing through me, I can still come up with tons of ideas. They're just lifeless and I think we do a lot of building I think we do a lot of making of things a a lot of strategizing a lot of planning and, and all sorts of things constructing stuff and many times they're lifeless because we have our, our our minds more set on that which is temporal and more set on that which is fading than on that which is eternal. And I would say this, if we want to build something that will last, uh, have an eternal impact and have a lasting uh, eternal uh, feature to it, then our mind must be set on that which is eternal. Therefore, that which we produce will have life, the life of God, and it'll have a a, a production coming from us that has life and an eternal feature. And I think sometimes we are impactless because that which we produce is lacking life. Everybody's trying to follow this, okay? Are you with me? 
I was like, lacking life, okay. But I, I, want, I want my mind set on that place which I am of. I'm, I'm a stranger and an alien in this world and eternity is written on my heart and I'm made for another age. And if my mind is set on that which is temporal and that which is fading and I, lo- I allow it to dictate to me the way I live in, in, in the 70, 80 years I have on this planet, I will live lifeless. And I think, I think we as a people, we've got to get our minds connected to that God life. We, and, and, and he's telling us in Colossians 3 how that works. We set our mind on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. We, we get a vision of the throne room and a vision of the, of the king that we serve. And not simply him, yes, him, focused on him, completely focused on him, but all the stuff that he's put there and all the features that he's given us. And, and that's why Revelation 4 is such an important chapter for us. And Ezekiel 1, where we get a picture of the throne room of God. And we can actually set our mind on those things and it can actually produce life in us. I don't want to live lifeless because I think when we live uh, with our mindset on that which is temporal, we, we are alien and we're mired in the temporal and we live alien from God's eternal purposes. We don't have a picture of God's eternal purposes and everything ends up being about what am I doing today and how am I going to balance my checkbook and how am I going to pay my, you know, my car note. And I'm saying those things are important, but I'm saying there's God's life that he wants to pour inside of you that enables you to take care of all those natural things that have to get taken care of, yet you'll soar in spirit. You'll soar in heart. You'll be alive. And I don't want to be mired with the carnal. I don't want to be mired with the temporal, with my mindset on that which is not lasting. I want my mindset on that which is eternal. And I'm not mired and locked down, but I'm soaring and alive. And I, I, I don't want to be veiled. See, I believe this, that when we're, when we're so focused on the natural, we live veiled in our faith. And the reason why is because we are not aware of the resources that are available to us because we're focused all on natural resources and all on natural things. And what can I do naturally? How can I maneuver? How can I manipulate? How can I get up the corporate ladder? And we're all focused on this natural place. How can we uh, manage things until this? We begin to believe stuff like prayer doesn't work. But prayer is our lifeline. It's the only way to get stuff to work. It's the only way to get this realm to change. It's asking that one that sits on the throne of all the universe and all the creation, asking that one to move things in this atmosphere. That's the only way that this place moves and changes. I may be able to release a proclamation, but if I haven't asked the one who authored the heavens and set the boundary lines of the nations to impact this place, if I haven't uh, uh, appealed to him as the, the high priest of the confession, yet the judge of the universe, if I haven't asked him to change it here, my proclamation will be lifeless in the earth. It won't have eternal impact. And, and I think we live sometimes veiled in our faith, not in recognition of the resource that we have available in the kingdom of God because we're focused on the natural without the, the concept of the supernatural. And so we, we end up many times uh, with this disparity between the supernatural and the natural, and we live mired. And I, and I don't want to live w- un- without an understanding of the resources that are available to me. And angelic activity is one of them. It really is one of them, and it's all through the scriptures. There's all sorts of things. There's provision, supernatural provision. 
I'm talking about finance and economics that it's kingdom purposes. I mean, I've, oh, I've got some things in my mind right now about provision that the Lord is going to release, and it's on, it will blow your mind. Let me tell you something. God getting money to you is a non-issue. He has no problem getting money to you, for real. For him to put money in your hand, it's a non-issue. He's not going, oh, no, $87.93, that light bill's a little high this month. Oh, they kind of ran the heater a little bit. Actually, it was winter and it was a little hot, so they ran the air conditioning that one day, and now it's over the top. I don't know how I'm going to fix that for them. Oh. I mean, God is, I mean, he, he knows how to move it like this. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whichever way he wishes. Billions of dollars. He has no problem moving them. Bam, bam. Just like that. There's a supernatural supply of resource. There's power of healing to our bodies. There's direction by the life of the Spirit of God. There's the invigorating of the heart. You know, I, I, I wrestle when, in my own soul when I, when I have a, a down day or a blue day and, and I feel oppressed and my heart's not alive. I go, how, how? What's going on with me? How can I be this way? You know, and, and God's not trying to shame me, but I go, I know I've got to, I've got to connect to the life source. I've got to set my mind on that which is eternal, man, because there's no way God's up there depressed. There's no way they're going, man, it's going bad down there. This stinks. Gabriel, Michael, what do we do? Son, any thoughts? Ugh. It's a little rough. No, he's got joy and pleasure emanating from him at all times. He's never wondered when I am distant from that reality of who he is, you know what I know? What I know? It's because I haven't connected my, my soul to the life source that he is. And I'm living alien. I don't want to live like that. I don't have one day like that. I don't have an hour like that. I don't have 30 seconds like that. Any, any takers on that? I mean, what if you just connect to that, abiding in Christ? peace in my mind and then authority to change this realm I mean really change it to move things in the spirit to move the angels and demons that's authority I tell you authority is this it's not even being able to get up in front of the largest corporation and tell everybody to do this and such and then they do it or in front of the, in front of the largest government authority is not even uh, what the president holds and being able to move armies and, and political cabinets and things like that authority is this that a human being could speak and angels and demons would move that's authority beloved and he's given it to us in Christ Jesus he takes us little old broken us and goes I want to give you something and Jesus says all authority has been given to me go and there's this reality that we have authority to move that which is in the, in the supernatural move the angels and demons unto this that we can occupy and take this place for Christ I mean it's huge that's authority that's the kingdom that we're of see the things change to see the natural give way to the kingdom to see the kingdom come will be done to have the supernatural as natural wouldn't you like that to live with the supernatural as natural I'm convinced it has so much to do with the way we set our minds I'm more and more convinced 
it has, has so much to do with where we set our minds. I'm looking at Ephesians 4. I'll just read it to you. It says this. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. He goes, walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk. He's talking about those that aren't saved, those that don't know the Lord. He says, in the futility of their mind, darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. He's talking to the believers in Ephesus. He goes, don't live like the unbelievers. Don't let your mind stay darkened. Don't continue to live alien from the things of God, an alien from the life of God. He goes, oh, no, 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 don't live like that. And that's why he's praying for them in Ephesians 1, that light and revelation would break in on them. And in Ephesians 3, that they would come to know the love of God. And he's saying, I don't want you to live away from God's life. And that's where I want to be. I I, want to live, I don't want to live another day where I don't sense the life flow from heaven. See, because he's given us the opportunity to live with God's life flowing and coursing through us every single day. I don't want to live alien from that. I don't want to live darkened in my understanding. And so I, I, I believe there's a thoroughfare that God sets up that when we set our minds on the heavenly, when we obey Colossians 3, that that which is heavenly becomes, uh, uh, the supernatural becomes more natural in our mind and we begin to live in, in the light of this thing. And part of this thing is that there's a whole realm, a whole host of angels, a whole, I, I mean, myriads, millions and millions and billions of hosts standing before the Lord right now waiting to attend to the voice of his word myriads of supernatural beings ready to operate on your behalf they're ministering spirits sent forth Hebrews 1 tells us ministering spirits sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation I like what Psalm 103 says it says bless the Lord you his angels the ones who excel in strength the ones who do his word Heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. All these angels, I mean billions before the throne, ready to execute the pleasure of the Lord. What's the pleasure of the Lord? To minister to you, an heir of salvation. I don't know your theology on it, but my theology is this. God made angels with men in mind. God made the heavens with men in mind. God made the planets with men in mind. And God made angels with men in mind. Why? Because he needed somebody that was going to minister to the heirs of salvation. See, God, before he he lifted a finger in creation, he fell in love with you. He fell in love with people. And when he did, he goes, I'm going to have a whole host of supernatural ones that excel in strength. They're flames of fire. They'll be my ministers. And I will commission them at my word to minister to the ones I love. He created angels with you in mind. Because he loves you. And so there's there's billions upon billions waiting for the voice of the Lord to be commissioned on your behalf releasing angels unto you supernatural beings to minister to you 
I love it when Jesus goes out and he's 40 days fasting in the wilderness and he goes out and he's tempted of the devil 40 days. At the end of that, the Bible says angels came and ministered to the Son of God. If Jesus needs angels to minister to him, I'm in line. I know I qualify. The Son of God has angels come and And I just go, couldn't you have given us a little bit more than that little phrase? Like, what did that look like? The angels ministering to like they show up and go, okay, Jesus, here's a little supernatural revelation for you. A couple words of knowledge for the next few ministry stops. Here's some angel food. Now, what's that? What is angel food? Shows up in the Bible a couple times. There's, okay, so they're eating now. I mean, what is an angel? Like, what is it? God made these supernatural beings excelling in strength to come and help you. To help you. Why? Because God is pleased with you and they do his pleasure. I love it. And I want, I want to be cognizant of this. I want to be cognizant of the fact that God has angels in mind. We were singing tonight, taste and see the Lord is good. Turn over and let's look at that Psalm 34. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no want to those who fear Him. Taste and see, the Lord is good. Well, what's the context? Well, verse 7. Hello. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear Him and delivers them. Taste and see, the Lord is good talking about being saved out of trouble verse 6 is and then the one that fears the Lord the angel of the Lord encamps about that one and delivers that one oh verse 8 taste and see the goodness of our God it's in light of angelic intervention in your life bringing deliverance do you see it is anybody here tonight okay good I know you're thinking you're just scaring me okay Flip over to Revelation 5. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Gives the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord. We start getting some wisdom. We start operating in the fear of the Lord. Guess what the Lord's going to do? Send some angels to camp. I'd love an angel or two just to camp. Just camp with me. I don't, I don't like feeling oppression. I want to feel some angel stuff. Some encamped angels. I want, I want to touch verse 8 of Psalm 34. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to feel that, touch that, know that. Why? Because there's been deliverance brought from this encamping angel. I want to to be able to say it with the psalmist. 
The Lord is good. I can taste and see why. Because angelic intervention has broken in on my behalf. I've been delivered from the hand of the enemy. I like it. Revelation 5, let's look at this. Verse 8. Oh, this is such a good chapter. Everybody needs to spend about a month in Revelation 4 and 5. It's so good. All right, verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, that's Jesus, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. But each of these ones that were falling, each had a harp and golden bowls full of incense, and the incense is the prayers of the saints. Right now, there are 24 elders on thrones seated beside the eternal Father on His throne. I always like to picture 12 and 12. And each of those 12 elders, each of them are holding a harp and a golden bowl, at least one each. And what's in those golden bowls is incense. It's unlit. Even at this point, which is a future time, it's unlit. And when you pray, what happens is your voice ascends. It takes on an eternal reality. It echoes around the throne room of heaven, and it stays resident before the throne in the form of incense, fragrance. Your little help, God, I need help, becomes beauty to the Lord. Please help Jesus down here. We're like, help, help us. Incense before the divine. Every time, of course, no wonder he delights to hear the prayer of the righteous because you're ministering incense to God himself. You're creating supernatural incense by your little help. I can't do it on my own, God. I need you, help incense is created and it actually goes into that, those bowls that these 24 elders are holding. The prayers of the saints are incense. Alright, now flip over Revelation 8. This is a time coming and this is so powerful. Look at verse 3. Then another angel. This angel is attending the altar of incense that's before the throne. There's an altar that incense is burned on before the throne of God. This angel, he has a golden censer, which is a, it's a thing on a chain where you put incense and some coals in, you burn it and you swing it, and it, it, it makes a, you know, the incense, uh, smoke comes out of it and it, and it burns and it, it goes around and you, you kind of see that sometimes in a, some liturgical, liturgical churches, they'll do that at times. He has this censer, and he comes, comes and stood at the altar, and he's given, now look at this, he's given much incense that he should offer that with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar. Now, how does that work? How does this angel get incense and prayers? Because I thought the prayers were incense. Well, there's a, here's the interesting thing. There's a heavenly dimension to prayer, in an earthly dimension of prayer, or a human dimension, I should say. People pray, but the Spirit makes intercession for us. 
the son of God stands at the right hand of God and makes intercession for us I believe there's a heavenly dimension and a human dimension and the human dimension is the incense the prayers of the saints and the heavenly dimension is the heavenly incense and God takes the heavenly prayers and the, and the, the natural earthly prayers he mixes those together and he's going to give them to this angel in Revelation 8 this is a future time he's going to give them he's going to take all the prayers that are the incense in the bowls in front of the 24 elders he's going to scoop all that out He's going to offer that together with the prayers that have been being offered from the Son of God at the right hand, from the Spirit of God uh, for, for uh, all of us. He's making intercession for us. He's going to take the heavenly and the earthly. He's going to mix those things together. <laughs> He's going to light it on fire. And when he offers it, verse 4, the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints it ascends before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer and he fills it with fire from the altar and he throws it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And the seven angels, the seven trumpets, they prepare themselves to sound. Let me just share this with you. There is no prayer that you have ever prayed that has gone unnoticed in the corridors of heaven. Every prayer you've ever prayed has taken on an eternal significance before the Lord. It's gone into a golden bowl that one of those elders is holding, and it's right there right now in the form of incense. And I tell you, there is a day coming when the Lord is going to take every bit of that incense. He's going to mix it with the heavenly symphony and the prayers that are going on in the the heavenly realms. He's going to mix the those things together he's going to give it to this angel that angel for the very first time is going to light some of those prayers on fire and I see that as those prayers getting answered and when he does he's going to take that sensor he's going to hurl it to the earth and it is going to break out upon this planet with thunders lightnings and the explosion of God and the manifestation of the spirit of God is going to be unleashed on this planet in an unprecedented manner that's coming beloved that's a day in front of you there has never been a help God prayer that will go unanswered. And there's an angel up there officiating this incense. So interesting to me. I'm trying to draw your attention to incense because prayer is incense. Tonight, when we praised and worshiped, it was incense. Tonight, when we prayed over Paxton and Carolyn, there was incense. The Lord loved it. It ascended. It was a sweet savor to the Lord. And there's this unique thing that happens when we offer incense. And I want to go through some of these interesting angel stories from the Bible. So let's look at Judges 6. I'm going to make a point in a minute, actually. Judges 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Judges. Joshua, Judges. Gideon. Gideon is out beating the wheat, trying to get some gleanings. Commentators tell us the way that he was actually doing it was the way that the the poor would do it, and they were under oppression. And Gideon is basically, he's lost faith. It's so funny because the angel of the Lord is going to show up and say, tell Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. The first thing out of Gideon's mouth is like, I don't think so. I am not, and God hasn't moved, and we've got nothing, and it ain't going to work. And, you know, you just wonder if the angel goes, you know, he goes, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. <laughs> you? <laughs> he 
shows up to Gideon. He begins to try to encourage him. God is going to use you. You're going to deliver the people. And Gideon is just looking at this thing like impossible. Can't happen. So look at verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. He goes, You're an action hero, Gideon. Gideon says, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Skip to verse 17. So Gideon said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, he goes, Show me a sign that it's you, it's God who's speaking with me. Verse 19, And Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from, uh, from an ephah of flour. And he put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot. And he brought them out to, to the man under the oak tree. And he presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. So Gideon's getting encouragement from this angel. This angel is dressed like a traveler. He can't tell, is it an angel or not? But he says, if you're really an angel, I want to get a sign from you. And and he goes, so don't leave. He goes, I want to prepare something for you, and I want to get a sign from you. So Gideon goes and prepares a goat. He gives him a little, you know, grain, and he he gets a little broth, and he brings it out to this angel who looks like a man. And and the angel says, here, put it over there. So he lays this, this, uh, this meal and he, and he puts it uh, on this rock. How strange would that be? You think you're going you're gonna to give the guy a gift. He goes, now just put the meat down there, put the meal down there, and pour the broth out on top of it. And Gideon's looking at this like, what is that? The angel's going to take his rod, and here's where it goes. He says, then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Now the word that's used in Hebrew about what this was that Gideon was giving him is a gift. It can also be used as free will offering. It can also be like a, a thank offering, a grateful offering. It's, it's the way we think of the idea of the sacrifice of praise. So he's bringing this man a gift. It's a sacrifice of praise. He's just trying to say, I am grateful, and if you're God, I want to see a sign. And so I'm thankful, and here's some stuff, and you tell me what the sign's going to be. And so in live, living color, right in front of Gideon, who's losing faith, the man touches this rock with his staff. Fire comes out of the rock, consumes the offering, and the man disappears. Now that is cool that is cool and we know the story Gideon ends up triumphing with 300 alright flip over a few pages to Judges 13 so let's just try it together he's giving an offering and the angel ascends he gives the offering fire comes out and the angel ascends just think about get those features Judges 13 verse 16 the angel of the Lord said to Manoah Manoah is Samson's dad. He says, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. The angel showed up and he's told uh, uh, Manoah's wife, You know, you're going to have a son. Don't, uh, you know, he's going to be a Nazarite from his, from his 
your mother, from your womb, and, and he's going to be special, and the Lord's going to use him. And then Manoah prays and says, hey, if that really was an angel, let him show back up again. And he shows back up again, and, and he shows up to his wife in the field, and they go back, and, 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 he, and, and the wife runs and says, the guy's here again, the angel's here again. And Manoah says, good, I want to make you some food. And the angel goes, I'm not going to eat your food. I'm thinking, hi, he does really have other food to eat. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. And he says, though you detain me, I will not eat your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. So he's, this angel showed up with veiled glory. He's, he showed up in a unique way. Verse 17, Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel, so, he's so interesting, he goes, why are you asking me my name? You know it's something wonderful, seeing that it's wonderful. You know it's very unusual, but why are you asking about my name? In other words, he's pointing to the Lord. He's, I'm not the one that's, that needs the glory. Verse 19, so Manoah took the young goat and the grain offering. He offered it on the rock to the Lord, and he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when, Noah, when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Again, he takes the grain, he takes the meat, he puts it on a rock, and fire shoots out of the rock, consumes the offering, and the angel jumps into the fire and ascends. What an interesting concept. You give an offering and a sacrifice... And the angels come and go through the offering and the sacrifice. It's so unique. I started thinking about that. I was like, that's so strange. Fire, number one, fire comes out of a rock. That's why Manoah and his wife fell down on their face. I know it. He didn't light it on fire. Fire comes out of the rock, just like with Gideon. Can you imagine that? I mean, we put a, say we put a little food up here. And fire comes out of the stage. That really happened. They really watched it. And they watched the angel jump into the fire and go. Get a little meat offering, a little grain offering. Fire from heaven comes out of the altar. And angels come and go. Interesting stuff. Flip over to Daniel 9. I'm going to make a point in a minute. Daniel 9. Now, in Daniel 9, of course, Israel's in captivity in Babylon. The temple's been destroyed. There are no hours of prayer that are going on in the temple. There's no incense being offered in the temple because the temple's in shambles. But undoubtedly, Daniel knew David's words from Psalm 141 that says, May my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting up my hands is the evening offering. And so Daniel prays for 20 verses and he's repenting on behalf of his own sins and the sins of his people because he's come to understand that the time of the captivity of the children of Israel in Babylon is coming to an end. He's realized that the, the 70 years is up and so this thing is coming to an end. And so Daniel is saying, God, I, I need understanding of the times. I need to know what's going on. I'm repenting. This is the time and the season you're gonna return us back to Israel. You know, and, and he's turning his face toward the Lord. And in verse 20, it says this. 
While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, making my request to the Lord, while I was still in prayer, verse 21, Gabriel, the man I'd seen earlier in the vision, came to me in swift flight at about the time of the evening sacrifice. At about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you begin to pray, an answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Of course, the time of the evening sacrifice wasn't going on right now because the temple was gone. But what happened was all the people of Israel, the ones that were still, you know, practicing the religion, still seeking the Lord, they would all pray together at the time of the evening sacrifice. They would offer prayer and the Lord would see it as incense. And here it is again, right there, when incense is being offered. Of course, it's not real incense, it's their prayers, but the Lord sees it as the same, doesn't he? Aren't the prayers of the saints incense? And when the prayers and the offering is going forth, the angel comes. The time of the evening sacrifice. And that angel comes and gives Daniel one of the most incredible end time prophecies. I mean, probably, probably if that's all you had from the Old Testament of the end times, you could really get you know, real clarity as to what's going on. It's one of the most important ones. And the angel comes at the time of the offering, at the time incense is being offered. Interesting. Luke 1, flip over to that. Zacharias, John the Baptist's dad. The lot had fallen to him. He was going to offer incense in the, in the temple. And he shows up and everybody's outside and they're all praying. And what they would do is they'd have to separate the people because the altar of incense wasn't in the holiest place. It was in the, it was in the, the holy place, but not in the holy of holies. And so they'd separate, separate the people out to the outside to pray. And here's what happens, verse 9. According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him but the angel said do not be afraid Zacharias for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John the heralding of the forerunner by the angel comes at the hour of incense the hour of offering are you seeing a trend yet there's a clear biblical trend over and over and over that when offerings are given, when uh, they're presented as a free will or a blessing offering or a, a sacrifice of praise unto the Lord, when those offerings are released, something happens between the natural and the supernatural. A portal of some sort opens and angels come up and down on it. They move up and down when incense and offerings are given before the Lord. They come in and out. He jumps into the flame of the fire and disappears. The hour of incense at the temple, the angel comes and heralds the forerunner, heralds this, that the man Christ Jesus' way is about to be prepared by the baby that's in this man's wife's womb. All at the hour of incense. Let's look at another one, Cornelius, Acts 10. Can you imagine being Zacharias? 
the lot falls to you. You're just going to offer the incense. It's just an honor. You get to do the priestly duty. Bam! The angel is staring you in the face. You walk out of there and you can't talk. You can't talk when you leave. I think I want one of those. I wouldn't have to preach as much. Wouldn't have to do counseling. Bam! Poof. Can't talk. Sorry. Have a little sign. Got an angel. Can't talk. Somebody's thinking, be careful what you ask for, big mouth. <laughs> Acts 10. Cornelius. What, a, what an awesome man. Cornelius. I want to talk about Cornelius for a second. Here we go. Verse 1. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. What is this man doing giving alms to the Jewish people? What is he doing? He's serving the army that's got the Jews under tribute. He's serving uh, what the Bible describes as a beast kingdom. He's giving gifts to the poor Jews. What's going on with him? One who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually about the ninth hour. Anybody want to take a stab what the ninth hour is? Hour of prayer. Altar of incense. Incense is now being offered before the Lord the ninth hour of the day. He clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him, being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Think about Cornelius for a minute. Number one, he's not born again yet. And he's not born again in the time when you can be born again. He's an unsaved guy living, uh, you know, and Christ has already died and been resurrected, and you can get saved. Yet, he's still praying continually as an unsaved guy. He's working. His job is for the the beast kingdom that's going to destroy Jerusalem. I mean, talk about, you know, you think you've got a tough job. He's like got demonic oppression. I mean... (laughs) He's working for the beast kingdom. And he's praying continually, giving alms to the, to the Jews. And what were his prayer meetings like? I mean, talking about a bad prayer meeting. He's not saved, not spirit-filled. I mean, it's like, help God, please, help. All right, your turn. Me too, help God, please. I mean, what are they even praying? What are they even reading? I got no verses. And the angel shows up at the hour of incense, the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. The angel shows up and goes, Cornelius, they've written a book about you in heaven. There's a memorial that your prayers and your giving to the poor has been written about in the archives of the heavenly realm. Like, who is Cornelius? And the angel shows up. And of course, if Cornelius wasn't gripped with fear and gripped with, you know, desire for the Lord, the Gentiles aren't getting in. He ends up being the open door. And so here's the thing I want to point to. 
again, it's the hour of incense. It's the hour of prayer. It's the hour of offering. And at the hour of offering, incense is being given and the angel comes. And he makes a way for the Gentiles to get saved. I want to propose something to you. When on earth men release incense, it opens up a portal between heaven and earth and angels ascend and descend through the portal on the incense. See, if it's good enough for the Son of Man to come on the smoke, I would think it's probably good enough for angels to come on the smoke. Because when Jesus comes, he's coming on a cloud of smoke. When he left, you know what he left on? On a cloud of smoke. And he's coming back in the same manner in which he left. And I, I just have this interesting hunch, because I've got about seven biblical examples I've just read to you, that when incense is offered, angels come and go. Portals are opened in places, and the angels leave the heavenly, and they come into the earthly, and they leave the earthly and go into the heavenly. I have this uh, story about this old woman. She had prayed in this church in the same place up in front, like every single day for like 60 years or whatever. She prayed just right in that front area, just in this one little area. She just stood there and prayed every single day. The pastor would just let her come in. She would go stand in her little spot. Whenever she stood in that little spot, she'd just pray and rock for hours and hours and hours. Well, this guest speaker would come to this church, and every time he would walk through this little area on the front of the, the church, he would just kind of get zapped and walk through the, to the other side, and he'd preach a little bit, and he'd walk over back, and he'd get zapped, you know, and he'd walk back over, and he'd say, what is up with that spot? Every single time I walk through there, I get like, you know, a little 220 hits me. He goes, well, that's the spot where the little lady goes and prays every day. And this is a true story. He said, man, that thing is like a portal, like something's open, like incense has been rising, and there's like an open door, a portal between the heavenly and the earthly. And I just want to say this. I believe we're living in the hour of incense because God is giving us the hour of prayer all day. He's given us the hour of prayer all day. And we're living right now in a time that is the hour of prayer, the hour of incense. And as Zechariah offered the incense and the angel came, as Cornelius prayed at the hour of prayer and the angel came, as Manoah offered the, 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 the goat and the, the, the wheat and, and offered it on the little altar and the fire was released at this offering and the angel came and went. I believe this. I believe that God has somehow supernaturally given us this little place to pray night and day so that incense would never cease to ascend to heaven. Under this, he can open up a portal for the heavenly to be released in the natural, for angels to continue to move, to come and to minister and to release the kingdom. I believe this, that we are releasing right now incense. And I used to say this, and I say it still. But I, you, you come in the house of prayer, and after a while, you're just addicted to the incense. You're addicted to that which is moving up and down in the atmosphere. It's, somehow, the prayers of the saints, it just attracts that which is heavenly. And I'm convinced of this. And, and though we might see it in a small pin, kind of a 
portal right now, pinhole kind of a portal. I believe the Lord is releasing to us a, a portal because of the incense that's arising. And I believe that we're going to see an increase in angelic intervention, angelic activity, ascending and descending. Why? Because the incense continues to go up. It's not just in the morning and the evening. It's not just when the the sacrifice has been told to be offered in the, the one unique time. It's all day, every day, beloved. And I'm telling you, there is a portal that God's giving us because all it is this. We're lifting our hands and saying, God, I love you. And incense is arising. And when incense arises from the heart of a human on the earth, it opens something in the spirit. And I believe it gives us the the activity of the heavenly released in the earthly. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for angelic interventions. And I believe this. God's given us night and day prayer for part of that is, 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 is the reason. Part of it is that angels could ascend and descend on this place without a problem. Ascending, descending, without an issue, unabated, unhindered. Why? Because incense is continually burning on the altar. We say the fire, we don't ever want the fire to go out on the altar. We, like right now, somebody is, is, is uh, worshiping and praising right over there next door. Why? We want the incense to continue to arise. God is great and greatly to be praised. It would be unjust that we, could, we would ever stop praising and worshiping his name. But God goes, you know, that's really awesome, and I've got a little twist on that. If you'll keep incense arising, I'll open the heaven. I'll release a portal above you, and, and it'll connect the heavenly to the earthly, and angels will ascend and descend ministering to you bringing kingdom power excelling in strength releasing revelation bringing healing bringing supernatural resource I love it we're standing in a place we're standing in a place where it hasn't stopped for a year I want some Cornelius stories the hour of prayer the angel came I want, you know, I want the Manoah. I want the Gideon. Hey, little buddy, you're down in the mouth. It's okay. I'm going to make you a deliverer. You know, God is going to release it to us. We have to have it. It's not like this just gets done without kingdom stuff going on. It's not like it just gets done without supernatural interventions. God has a plan and he knows exactly what he's doing and he gives us in, he gives us the grace to release incense all day and all night because God is strategizing how he brings the heavenly to the earth. It's good. Let's just stand. Let the fragrance arise, Lord. Let it arise. The words that we offer God take on eternal purposes. God, we don't want to live veiled from the life of God. We don't want to live away and darkened in our mind about the activity and the eternal purposes of heaven. God, let the fragrance arise. Let the angels ascend and descend. Let them ascend and descend, God.